Welcome to the Bethel Free Baptist Church Weekly Sermons. This is part four of a nine-part series. This is the evening service of Sunday the 28th of June 2015, entitled The Christian's Heart. And the Bible reading is taken from 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verses 1 to 13. Here's Brother Gareth Green. Yes, yeah, encouraging for me to see you all coming back after you've uh, heard me preach a few times already, three times now. Um, yeah, also thank you for praying for me as I prepared and um, yeah, pray that God would bless us this evening through his word. Um, not feeling 100%, but I feel I will be able to, to, to get through this. So yeah, thank you for praying for me and um, yeah, you might as just crank up the volume a bit if people start falling asleep <laughs> um, back there. Yeah. Um, so firstly, let's recap the, the previous sermon that we went through. Uh, last time we went through 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. Uh, verse 13 to 20, and we looked at the foundation, foe, the fusion, and the future of fellowship. Uh, now this evening's sermon is number four in our series, Someone Thessalonians, and Lord willing, we'll be going through the whole of chapter three, um, which is uh, surprisingly quite a lot in there, so yeah. Um, the sermon is titled, The Christian's Heart. Um, yeah, in this chapter, we're going to be looking at three actions of Paul. And those three actions are concern, uh, Paul's concern, Paul's rejoicing, and Paul's prayer. So concern, rejoicing, and prayer. Um, yeah, just like I said before, uh, just to warn you, there's a, uh, enough practical application in this, uh, in this one chapter to fill at least three sermons. Um, so I'm going to try and keep this sermon... Uh, roughly below 30 minutes. We timed it before um, we came out tonight and it was about 32 minutes, so I'll try and keep it on track. Um, so, yeah, just you listen really hard, take notes, and, yeah, be, pre- be prepared for plenty of practical application. So let's uh, read 1 Thessalonians chapter number 3. I invite you to stand to honour God's word. 1 Thessalonians chapter 3. Wherefore, when we could no longer forbear... We thought it good to be left at Athens alone, and sent Timotheus, our brother, and minister of God, and fellow labourer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith, that no man should be moved by these afflictions. For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we should suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labour be in vain. But now, when Timotheus came from you unto us, and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you, Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live, if ye stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy, for your sakes before God. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face, and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. Now God himself and our Father, 
and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love, one toward another, and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all his saints. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for your word. We thank you for uh, chapter 3 of the Thessalonians and for the book of First Thessalonians. Uh, Lord God, we just pray that tonight that you would bless us through the reading of your word, through the preaching of your word. Um, Lord, I pray that you'd um, yeah, help us to, to concentrate and help me to be um, uh, quick and to the point on, on uh, preaching this, Lord. Uh, I pray, Lord, that you just uh, open our eyes to the things that you'd have us to see, Lord. There's a lot in here, and um, yeah, we probably won't all take away the same things from the sermon, so I pray that whatever it is that you'd have for us specifically uh, from this passage of Scripture, I pray, Lord, that that would be very clear to us, and Lord, that we would be obedient to act upon um, how you speak to us tonight, Lord. Uh, yeah, Lord, thank you again that we can all be here together to uh, to worship you. I pray that you'd be uh, pleased with the preaching of your word this evening. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Um, so let's get straight into it. The first point, uh, the first action of Paul's is uh, Paul's concern. Uh, we're going to be looking at this in chapter 3, verses 1 to 5. Uh, so first of all, why is Paul concerned for these Thessalonians, these Thessalonian believers? Uh, well, we can see the answer in verse number 5. So let's read that quickly again. For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter hath tempted you, and our labor be in vain. So verse 5 tells us that Paul is concerned by the plans and the capability of the devil. Specifically, he is concerned by his ability to tempt. He is concerned that the devil will damage the work that they have already done and damage the faith that these Thessalonians already had. This is something that is a concern for every believer. So why is Paul especially concerned about the Thessalonians? Well, the answer can be found back in chapter 2, verse 14 to 17. And I'll read that for us now. Chapter 2, verse 14 to 17. For ye, brethren, became followers of the churches of God, which in Judea are in Christ Jesus. For ye also have suffered like things of your own countrymen, even as they have of the Jews, who both killed the Lord Jesus and their own prophets, and have persecuted us, and they pleased not God, and are contrary to all men, forbidding us to speak to the Gentiles that they might be saved, to fill up their sins always. For the wrath is come upon them to the uttermost. But we, brethren, being taken from you for a short time in presence, not in heart, endeavour the more abundantly to see your face with great desire. And so here we see the background to Paul's departure from Thessalonica. In chapter 2, verse 15, Paul reminds the Thessalonians how he and his companions suffered persecution from the Jews. In verse 14, this appears to be the same persecution that the Judean and Thessalonian Christians were suffering. In verse 16, 
uh, verse 16 tells us that this persecution took the form of forbidding them to share the gospel with the Gentiles. So when we read in verse 17 that Paul and his companions were taken away from the Thessalonians, we can assume it was because of the persecution of the Jews. And so as a result of Paul's quick departure, we find that he was concerned about the state of their faith. Let's read chapter 3, verse 10. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. And so in verse 10, we find that Paul believes that their faith is lacking and he wants to perfect it. Uh, presumably, their faith is lacking because he did not have enough time to finish teaching them the basics of the Christian faith uh, before he was persecuted out of Thessalonica. And so now that we know the background to Paul's concerns, let's dig into uh, the five verses. In verse 1, we find that Paul's concern led him to action. He didn't just feel concerned, he did something about it. We also know that from verse 1, that this action was selfless. He was willing to inconvenience himself and be lonely for the sake of others. Uh, also, uh, for some reason, Paul here sees the need to legitimize Timothy as someone that these Thessalonians can trust. Paul describes Timothy in verse 2 as a brother, a minister, and a fellow laborer. Paul here is basically saying he's a good man. We sent one of the best. We sent him to establish and to comfort you. Perhaps just as Paul defended himself in chapter 2 from slanderous accusations, he heard that Timothy had or anticipated that Timothy would soon receive similar accusations. We also see this uh, in verse... Sorry, we, we also see this in verse... Um, a further depth into why Paul was concerned for the Thessalonians. He was concerned that they were not established in their faith and therefore did not have any comfort during their afflictions. In verse 3, Paul reminds the Thessalonians that their, action, that their affliction is not going to change. This is because Christians are appointed to affliction. It's part of the job description. Part of being a Christian is that you will receive affliction. Receiving affliction and having faith in Christ are synonymous. So you need to be established and comforted in order to deal with it. And that is only possible when you are grounded in the faith. And so similarly with us, our afflictions for living godly lives will only be there, will always be there, if we are living a life submitting to the will of God. So our affliction will not go away, so we need to learn how to deal with it and not be moved by it. We need to be uh, grounded and established. And we do that by studying and understanding God's words. Uh, verse number four reinforces the notion that Paul already tried to teach the Thessalonians their faith and warn them of the in inevitable persecution. 
but again, Paul is concerned because he didn't feel that he had time to finish this job of teaching the Thessalonians before he was forced to leave. In verse 5, as we saw in verse 1, Paul's concern led him to action. We also find here that Paul, as well as being concerned about the Thessalonians' faith, um, he's also concerned about the devil. The Bible uh, paints a frightening picture of the devil as a roaring lion seeking to devour you. And it is a very foolish thing to underestimate him or, or make jokes of him. Yes, we know uh, how the story ends. The devil will be defeated and cast into the lake of fire. However, the Bible shows us how Christians have been deceived by the devil previously. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from you. It doesn't say, go looking for him and challenge him to a fight. He's not someone that we should just mess around with. The devil has been fighting God's people since Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. He is smart, deceptive, and cunning. This is why Paul was concerned about the Thessalonian believers. No Christian is too strong not to be devoured by the devil. To defend against the devil, Paul seemed to prescribe two things. Uh, grounding in the word of God, which produces a stronger relationship with Christ. And secondly, fellowship with other believers. We need God to speak to us through his word, and we need Christians controlled by the Holy Spirit to encourage us, look out for us, and pray for us. As we have said in a previous sermon, the devil opposes fellowship. Paul could see that this separation of fellowship was the devil attacking the Thessalonian church. Now we know that the concerns of Paul, we need to ask the question, should we have the same concerns? And the simple answer is yes. We should be concerned about believers that are young in the faith uh, and have not learned the basics. Who do you know that is not established in their faith? Now, this may be different to each of us, uh, as we each know different people, obviously. Um, but do you know someone that hasn't been to church for a long time, or a Christian that seems to be giving in to temptation or persecution? Again, Paul's concern led him to action, selfless action. So our concerns about believers that we know should lead us to selfless action also. How can we turn our concerns for others into action? Well, similarly to Paul, we can contact them, uh, visit them, or even write a handwritten letter to them. You know, that's not really done these days, but hey, give it a go. The job description for a Christian is that we will receive affliction. And we can deal with this affliction by being grounded in the faith, by studying and understanding the word of God. And remember, let's not underestimate the devil. Don't run foolishly into a fight against him. Defend yourself with the word of God and Holy Spirit-controlled friends. Okay, I might regret this part, um, but I'm going to ask you a question now. Um, what did I just say? Jake. <laughs> Or well, anyone. <laughs> Very good. Thanks, Antonio. Yep, that was all right. <laughs>
defend ourselves against the devil by um, uh, having a Holy Spirit control friends and doing the word of God. Yeah, cool. So that was, uh, yeah, that was Paul's concern. Uh, the second action of Paul's is Paul's rejoicing. Uh, we've just looked, um, yeah, at verse 1 to 5. So now let's look at verse 6 to 10. Paul's rejoicing. But now, when Timotheus came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. For now we live, if ye stand fast in the Lord. For what thanks can we render to God again for you? For all the joy wherewith we joy for your sakes before our God. Night and day, praying exceedingly that we might see your face and might perfect that which is lacking in your faith. So here we find that Paul rejoices because of Timothy's good report found uh, specifically in verse 6. Paul rejoices because despite his concerns that we have just looked at, he finds that the Thessalonians are still in a spiritually healthy condition. This verse gives us a great insight into what a spiritually healthy Christian looks like. How can we tell if we or someone else is spiritually healthy? Well, according to verse 6, and they have charity. And charity basically means active love. It's not just an emotion, it's um, yeah, doing something with that love. So they have charity, they have faith, they are concerned for other Christians, and they desire to be in fellowship. Again, they had faith, charity, concern, and a desire for fellowship. Um, is that a picture of you? The Bible says that that is what a Christian looks like. Are you a Christian according to the Bible's definition? Because that is the only definition that matters. Faith, active love, concern, and a desire for fellowship. In verse 7, we find that the good report of the Thessalonian believer's faith brought Paul joy and revealed, uh, relieved his concerns. Uh, in verse 8, we find that this good news was so powerful that it gave him life. Uh, it gave him strength, and it destroyed this concern that was hindering his joy. We should be like Paul and rejoice when we receive good news from other believers, and we should seek after it. We should be on the edge of our seats when Malcolm comes up to give us the missions report. Uh, eagerly awaiting good news from our brothers and sisters in different parts of the world. And also on the reverse, we should also be like the Thessalonians. We should think of how we can encourage those that are concerned about us. Uh, I'm sure the Thessalonians would have had some idea of the joy that this news would have brought Paul. So perhaps that we should, now we should think of how we can encourage someone who is concerned about us. Um, we should tell them about the condition of our faith and our ministry. Uh, in verse 9, Paul talks about rendering God thanks. 
Uh, now, the word render here carries with it the sense of repayment. Uh, and based on this verse, therefore, we can say that God is rightfully entitled to receive thanksgiving from us in repayment for his blessings. And obviously, we can never repay God for what he has done for us, uh, but we should be a thankful people. Uh, it's a bit like giving uh, some chocolates or a potted plant to a generous friend who has decided to pay off your uh, £200,000 mortgage. You will never be able to repay them, but uh, there is no harm in showing your gratitude to them. How have you shown God thanks for what he has done for you? In verse 10, Paul tells the Thessalonians that he prayed exceedingly for the opportunity to fellowship and disciple them. Fellowship and uh, discipleship gave Paul joy. And as we've discussed in a previous sermon, discipleship and fellowship should bring us joy as well, uh, as we are fulfilling the Great Commission and supporting one another in the faith. So, should we be joyful over the same things as Paul? Yes. <laughs> the spiritual health of others should be our concern, and the news of good health and growth should bring us joy. We should be like Paul and rejoice when we receive good news. Faith, charity, concern, and a desire for fellowship. Does the Bible's definition of a Christian describe your spiritual life? We should be like the Thessalonians and seek to encourage those concerned about us. Think of how you can encourage someone that is concerned about you. Tell them about the condition of your faith and the ministries that you're involved in. And finally, how have you shown thanks to God for what he has done for you? Okay, that was the end of point two. I'll ask you the same question again. What did I just say? Paul's concern, Paul's rejoicing. Yeah. Gratitude, grow, yeah. Cool. Let's move on. Uh, finally, third, Paul's prayer. Uh, we've looked at uh, Paul's concern, Paul's rejoicing. Now we're going to look in verses 11 to 13 at Paul's prayer. Now, God himself and our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ direct our way unto you. And the Lord make you to increase and abound in love one toward another and toward all men, even as we do toward you. To the end, he may establish your hearts unblameable in holiness before God, even our Father, at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, with all his saints. So in the face of a good report, Paul's response after rejoicing is to pray. And some refer to this section as a pastoral prayer. Um, several years ago, um, it was actually a camp uh, several years ago, um, a pastor told me, that uh, if you want to know what's going on in your wife's heart, listen to her prayers. And I think it's safe to say that we can also apply this to Paul. Paul here presents the desires of his heart to God in prayer. In verse 11, we see that Paul's desire is for God to give him and these Thessalonian believers a closer geographical proximity. He wants to be reunited with them Presumably, 
this is because he wants to continue to disciple them, as he stated uh, in verse 10. Paul prays to be reunited with them so he can continue discipling them. In verse 12, Paul asks God to help them grow, uh, specifically to grow in love one to another. He wants them to be united with each other, and he wants them to be a close-knit family unit. And not only that, but he also wants them, uh, he wants this love to be shown towards all, all meaning those outside the church as well. He wants the Thessalonians to be displaying the love of Christ to believers and to non-believers. Paul wants these things in verse 11 and 12, so that God would establish the hearts of the Thessalonian believers to be unblameable, so that when Christ returns, they will stand before God holy. Naturally, <clears throat> naturally, those that uh, are unblameable are set apart from the world to holiness. And Paul wants the Thessalonians to be holy when Christ returns. And so to summarize this whole prayer uh, into a sentence, uh, Paul wants uh, to continue discipling the Thessalonian believers he wants these Thessalonians to show love to each other, uh, to those within their church, and those outside the church, so that God will make them unblameable and holy when Christ returns. So why does Paul pray like that? Um, perhaps you should think, what would you pray for? Knowing the concerns that Paul is, uh, is going through over these Thessalonians, what would you pray for? Um, I don't know about you, but the first thing I would pray for in this situation would be for uh, the persecution to stop. Um, and maybe secondly, um, for the Thessalonians to get a pastor to guide them. So why doesn't Paul pray like that? Why doesn't he pray for the church to find a pastor while he is away? Why doesn't Paul pray for the persecution to stop? Although those things are good to pray for, they are not the most important things. Paul's prayer from verse 11 to 13 shows us that the most important things that we need to have to endure persecution and resist the devil are to grow in love one towards another, to show love to those outside of the church, and be close to and discipled by matured Christians. So should our prayers be like this? Should we pray in the same way as Paul? Yes, yeah, good answer. Um, we should be praying this way for our struggling brothers and sisters. So to recap, we have just studied the three actions of Paul. Verse one to five was Paul's concern. He was concerned about the spiritual well-being of the Thessalonians. Uh, is concerned about the temptations of the devil. In verse 6 to 10, we looked at Paul's rejoicing. Uh, Paul rejoiced over Timothy's good report and of the uh, Thessalonians' uh, faith and their spiritual health. And verse 11 to 13 is Paul's prayer. And Paul prayed for uh, the opportunity to continue discipling um, these Thessalonians. They'd be disciples of Christ, uh, for them to love other Christians and to love others. 
And uh, yeah, like I said at the start, there's a lot of application here. And if I was to, to preach this again, I'd probably split this into three sermons. So let's have a, a recap of all of the application we went through. How can you have a Christ-like heart? So we should have the same concerns as Paul. We should be concerned about believers that are younger in the faith or immature. And our concerns should lead us to selfless actions. We can turn our, our concerns from for others into actions by contacting them or visiting them. Uh, we must not underestimate the devil. We shouldn't be foolish to run into a fight against him. But we need to defend ourselves with the word of God and the Holy Spirit, uh, Holy Spirit-controlled friends. We should also be joyful over the same things as Paul. The spiritual health of others should be our concern, and the news of good health and growth should be joyful unto us. We should also be like the Thessalonians and seek to encourage those that are concerned about us. How can you encourage someone who is concerned about you? Tell them about your faith and your ministries. Faith, charity, concern, and a desire for fellowship. Does the Bible's definition of Christianity describe your spiritual life? And finally, our prayers. Our prayers should be like Paul's. We should pray for our struggling brothers and sisters to endure persecution and resist the devil by continuing to be discipled, grow in love towards each other, and grow in love towards those outside the church. And again, as the previous sermons, uh, I just want to leave you with the challenge to apply the scriptures to your life uh, and also to read the book of First Thessalonians. Uh, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you, Lord, for um, the many uh, lessons that we can take from just this one chapter. Uh, we thank you for the truth that you preserved there, Lord. I pray that you'd help us to apply it to our lives. Um, yeah, as we said, there's many things in there, Lord, to, uh, to, that we can apply to our lives. But Lord, I pray that you just uh, bring one to mind, Lord, that's uh, particularly prominent for each of us. I uh, pray, Lord, that each of us would uh, know what it is that you are uh, calling us to do with this, uh, with this application, with these teachings. Help us, Lord, to apply them to our lives and become more like, um, uh, yeah, have more Christ-like hearts. Help us to be like the Thessalonians, encouraging those that are concerned about us and help us to um, have parent-like hearts like Paul and um, show our love and concern for uh, those around us, Lord. Pray, Lord, that uh, as a church that we would grow in our love one towards another. Uh, thank you, Lord, for everyone that you've placed here in this church to, uh, to be your body, to be your witness here in this place. I pray, Lord, that um, you just allow each of us to uh, grow in our love one towards another. Uh, thank you, Lord, for giving us this time together to... Uh, to listen to your word and just to uh, to praise your name in Jesus name amen <laughs>